Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to 32 Fans in 32 Days. It's halftime here in the 32 Fans in 32 Days studio. We recapped the bottom 16 teams in the NFL. And Akiva wanted to take a break after all of those bad teams. And before we really start focusing on the contenders, he said to me, why don't we take a look at the 32 quarterbacks in the NFL? One thing we've noticed is that a lot of those bad teams have a really bad quarterback. And Akiva always asks the hypothetical, if you replace that bad quarterback with an average quarterback, how much better would that team be? So Akiva had the idea that we go through the 32 teams and we rank their quarterbacks from 1 to 32. Uh, yesterday, of course, on the podcast, we discussed the Vikings. And so I will try and not get too much into the weeds with Teddy Bridgewater again. But for those who did listen to yesterday's podcast, I'm warning you that you're probably going to hear some of the same Teddy Bridgewater stats. But uh, Akiva, let's start at the bottom. Well, the bottom for me and the bottom for you are different, but we're both in agreement that, you know, at the bottom, all these players kind of stink. Right now, Geno Smith being punched in the face, that (laughs) takes away one quarterback controversy, right? So we're really down to three QB controversies, but we're ranking them, I guess, as a unit? Yeah, well, I think the way we're doing it is we're leaning towards the, the, the currently assumed to be starter. But with with a nod to his backup, but if we start at the very bottom, I think that the uh, consensus, the 32, the worst quarterback situation in football is in Cleveland. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I think that's fair to say. And this, this is and there's a, and there's another one or two of these, but this is a classic lose lose. I mean, so McCown, McCown, like he's had a few moments in the league, but he's clearly on the way out. The fact that Manziel could even be considered an option to win the job is, you know, is uh, sort of enough information that you need to know how bad he is. But in a league where even like crappy quarterbacks are completing 64% of their passes, McCown completed 56 last year. He threw more interceptions than touchdowns, which is basically shameful for a veteran of his age. So I, I think it's pretty fair to have him at 32. That being said, I think he's probably much better than Johnny Manziel. Yeah, 56% Manziel wishes he could get that high. Uh, there's two cumulative numbers that That's I... That's his BAC. Yeah. <laughs> there's two cumulative numbers that I looked at. Uh, one of them is, is QBR, which of course ESPN has popularized in the last few years. Do you want to guess what Johnny Manziel's QBR was last year? 11. <laughs> uh, actually, you made a BAC joke, but th- I'm not sure which one is lower. His BAC was 8. You mean his QBR was 8? Uh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his QBR was 8. Wow, and 11 is horrendous. So yeah, I, I was, I was, to put that in perspective, the worst of all other quarterbacks was Blake Bortles at 25.2. Yeah, but Manziel really didn't have a lot of snaps. Yeah, like, a, yes, a, he was atrocious in yeah. those snaps. 
it's a very small sample size. So the other thing I was going to say, in addition to QBR, I have my own stat, which I came up with a few years ago, which for lack of a better term, I'll call the Chester quarterback rating. Very basically what this is, is it's similar to the traditional quarterback rating, but what frustrates me about the quarterback rating, and there's many flaws with it, is the fact that it only focuses on a quarterback throwing the ball. So for example, if a quarterback takes a sack, gets fumbled, the other team recovers it and returns it for a touchdown, that's better for a quarterback's traditional quarterback rating than if he throws in a complete pass if he throws it away. Because throwing it away hurts his yards per attempt, hurts his completion percentage. A sack, a fumble, that doesn't affect him. So what my stat tries to do is I take into effect every single play. A running play, a running touchdown, a sack, a fumble, the amount of yards you lose in a sack because, you know, some guys can, can see the pressure and, and at least, you know, prevent a third and 17. Maybe they have a third and 13 if they jump forward. It takes all that into account. It still has the same flaws that, that any stat has, which is that if a quarterback throws an interception, is it his fault? Is it the receiver's fault? Is it the defense just doing a great play? But um, taking all that into account, the Chester QBR for Johnny Manziel and actually for Josh McCown, they were both worse than anybody else on our list today. Uh, McCown's was 62 and Manziel's was 55. So no matter how you look at it, I think that Cleveland's uh, in for a world of hurt this year at the quarterback position. Yes, but I actually had a team worse than Cleveland on the list. And who's that? Well, I had the Bills as uh, 32, although cumulatively they're our 31st, I guess. Exactly. Why do you think that the Bills are worse? Okay, so I've been reading some updates. As a Jet fan, I want to see who we're going to be facing twice a year. Matt Castle has been disastrous in practice. I think Castle is just another one of these guys that, like, at his absolute apex was certainly a competent quarterback. He, I mean, he led a team to 11 wins. In that. So, yeah, he led the Pats in 2008 to 11-5, to and five, but he also led the Chiefs to 10-6. and six. 2010, and they made the playoffs. The playoffs once. I mean, he certainly has had a career, but at this point, he's shot. And the problem is that E.J. Manuel might be the worst of any quarterback we talk about today. I mean, he's one of these guys who, when the Bills cut him, I don't even think he gets a second chance, which is kind of a sign. He's not athletic enough. You know, we've had some of these guys flame out, and they try them at receiver. That's not going to happen with with an E.J. Manuel. So he, I, I think he, I'm not sure he even makes the opening day roster. He's that bad. Wow. And if you listen, well, the Bills were sniffing around Michael Vick a few weeks ago, which is a disaster, especially since their coach had him last year <laughs> and knows how bad he was. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think because Tyrod Taylor can run, I think you almost have to try, like, maybe you give Castle game one, but I feel like you know Castle's ceiling. Unless Taylor is going to turn the ball over a lot, I'd say play Taylor as long as he's not turning the ball over twice a game. Well, let's go to number 30 then, which is another quarterback controversy. This one on a team that has playoff aspirations, even more so than Buffalo. I mean, J.J. Watt is so good that he basically – like, if J.J. Watt misses the season, you, you don't just say that sentence, right? That's not a team with playoff aspirations. Yeah, but as bad as Houston's quarterback situation was last year, it seems to me it's even worse going into this year. They have Brian Hoyer, who failed out of Cleveland. They have Ryan Mallett, who they gave a chance to last year. Which one of them would you rather see Houston go with? I mean, we kind of, again, we know Hoyer stinks, and Mallet was really bad last year. But that being said, like, we don't know, uh, you know, it, it was his rookie season uh, in terms of playing, right? So uh, we could see a little bit more of Mallet before we completely write him off. That being said, he was really, really atrocious last year. Again, another guy who completed under 55% of his passes. He only threw 75, but still, you know, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Really didn't inspire a lot of confidence, but he had also hadn't played in a long time, right? Because he was kind of just sitting on the bench yeah. in New England. So I think uh, Mallet should, unless Mallet is one one way preseason is uh, actually useful. Chester is if a guy can't play well in preseason, 
then you kind of know he doesn't have it. Like, there are very few good quarterbacks who yeah. just so – like, if Pre- Mallet is tearing apart – Preseason can't prove that you belong, but it can prove that you don't belong. Totally. So if Mallet can't shred some third-string defenses the first couple weeks of preseason, then I would understand why a team that wants to make the playoffs that has a immortal player in his prime – that doesn't want to waste that year, right, goes with a more steady backup, you know, a more steady veteran presence. But to me, Ballot's got to have every chance to win that job. And I was kind of wondering where Houston is in our power ranking. This is not a team with 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 either Brian Hoyer or Ryan Mallett that's, that's going to be one of the top ten teams in the NFL, no matter how good J.J. Watt on that defense is. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly why I rank them so low. Like, if Matt, if I thought Mallett was on the path to becoming Tannehill or even, you know, like – like a lighter Andy Dalton or something like that, I would have been fine with the Texans, you know, predicting the Texans to make the playoffs. But, you know, their quarterback situation could be so bad. And, yes, they have an easy schedule. They play four games against Jacksonville and Tennessee every year. Uh, you know, their defense is going to be very good. Their skill position players are still pretty good. They're not a team, you know, other than, you know, if you have a shaky offensive line, if you think about, like, oh, we're playing the Texans this week, you know, other than, obviously – you're not really like, oh man, that's such a tough matchup. Like that should be a winnable game for almost any team in the league, even though they play hard. The, the Texans, they obviously their upside is very high because if Malik gives them anything, they're going to be a really good team. Yeah, and you mentioned Jacksonville and Tennessee. Next, actually tied at 29th with Houston on our on our quarterback rankings is Jacksonville with Blake Bortles. We discussed Bortles quite a bit in our Jaguars podcast, but. Do you have anything else to say? My only question is, are we writing him off too soon? Yes, he was terrible last year. He threw 17 interceptions, only 11 touchdowns. He got less accurate, I think we said, as the season went on, although he stopped throwing interceptions. He's only 23. This is, you know, he's going to be, he just turned 23. So he's uh, much younger than a lot of these other young quarterbacks we're talking about. I mean, there's certainly, there's nothing we saw last year. And also he ran for over 400 yards last year. There's nothing we saw last year. That says like, oh, there's no way he can be a good QB in the league. For some reason, nobody's really uh, – people seem to be writing him off. But 59% completion percentage as a rookie isn't bad. You know, he threw for over six yards in attempt. He wasn't like totally, totally, totally overmatched in every single game, just most of them. So I like there is a chance. It wouldn't blow my mind basically if Bortles really makes a leap this year to becoming competent. And then next on our list – are both of the rookies, uh, Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston. I think it's hard for either one of us to know too much before we, we really get to see them on the field in a real NFL game. Yeah, Mariota's getting a little more buzz than Winston at this point in the preseason. But, again, we want to see them. Like, these guys, they're playing behind their starting offensive line for a few drives. They should be able to move the ball down the field. Like, that's what you want to see. You know, Winston especially should. I think Mariota, people think, like, in terms of the offense, has maybe more of a learning curve this year. We're so, uh, the NFL's at a weird point where... We're expecting rookies to come in, especially with players' careers being like a little shorter. We're expecting rookies to come in way more than we used to when you had guys like, you know, Steve McNair come in and everyone would assume like, oh, he's going to sit for two years before he ever plays a down, which I think McNair did. We're expecting them to take the reins. Even mediocre second, you know, round draft picks like the Genos and the Derek Cars are being handed the reins to the offense immediately. Obviously, the knock on Winston is that he threw a zillion interceptions against like barely competent competition which is ugly and and Mariota I think people are just nervous about because none of the Oregon quarterbacks have worked out do you have a you have a favorite between the two of them no I really don't I sort of gave benefit of the doubt to the teams at the draft and I put Winston one spot ahead of Mariota you did the reverse but 
I'm really, I'm really going to withhold any opinion until I actually get a chance to see them in a real game. I am definitely looking forward to, you know, the, the Winston Mariota Week One matchup. You know, if I, I bet one of them is disastrous and one of them is like very competent. Yeah. All right. And next we have speaking about uh, disastrous, we have Robert Griffin at uh, 26. This is a tough situation. Robert Griffin, actually similar to Colin Kaepernick, who we'll discuss later on. He's gotten worse every year of his career. This is definitely the make-or-break year in Washington, as we discussed on the Washington podcast. Do you think that he's going to turn it around? I mean, he's such an unusual case that he's hard to predict. I don't think his legs really ever turn it around. He, you know, in his first season, he displayed enough of his arm that he could be a league-average quarterback without being an above-average runner. You know, there were some good things last year. You know, it was very, you know, he got injured a few times. It was very stop and start. But, you know, he, his completion percentage was really great last season, which has never been a problem for him. I don't think people realize. Like, that first amazing rookie season, he was 65%. Even his disastrous 2013, he was fine. And then last year, he was almost 70% completion. I mean, he did throw a bunch of picks, but not too many incompletions at all. Uh, only four touchdowns. But again, if you wanted to make a case for Griffin, he's only 25. He really has never had particularly, I mean, Deshaun Jackson's the best receiver they've had in a long time. But, you know, up and down the field, they don't have a ton of weapons. He also, it would help if he had a running back who could catch, which Alfred Morris is a very good runner. But uh, anybody who plays fantasy or in a PPR league knows that. It, there's a little bit of a mirage there, right? Alfred Morris doesn't catch passes. Yeah, I think it's unfair to blame the pieces he has around him. Uh, the offensive line isn't great, but he has Pierre Garçon as well as a receiver. They have a good tight end uh, when he's healthy. Here's my question for you, because I don't think anybody thinks that, that Griffin or Washington is going anywhere this year. Will Robert Griffin ever be the starting quarterback for a playoff team in the NFL? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, I'd have to say yes. Wow. I mean, listen, the division is very good, but it's not unwinnable this year. I mean, I guess they're not a good team, yeah. but it's, you know, it's not like a team couldn't go 10 and 6. Like, those teams are so up and down. Like, Dallas was great last year, but. Yeah, I'm already writing off this year. I just think he's going to get a chance somewhere else next year. And, oh, I hear you. Well, yeah, I agree. Here's the thing. People like to write off quarterbacks. Like, let's write off Colin Kaepernick. Let's write, you know, let's write off Andy Dalton. You can't because. There's nobody out there. Look at the teams that wrote off their quarterbacks, and there's the teams that we talked about, you know, from 28 to 32. So unless you completely bottom out, you know, there's one Drew Brees every 20 years where you're signing a really good quarterback in free agency. You know, you're lucky if you get a Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I don't think that they write off Griffin unless maybe Kirk Cousins comes in and does something great. But I I don't think, you know, I I think we've seen enough of Cousins at this point to know that, you know, he's not – uh, he's fine. Her Cousins is a very good backup, but I, I, he's not going to bring your team to the uh, Super Bowl necessarily. Yeah, I don't think he's a very good backup either. But let's really, I mean, he you know he throws a good deep ball. He's an, he's an interesting player. He do, he seems to have like a lot of like he's red hot one game and then he's a disaster the next game. All right, well let's move on to the next one because at twenty five is the first quarterback over whom we have a big disagreement. You have Derek Carr at twenty two, which basically means that you think that he's. You know, especially as a second-year player, he's trending towards league average and is and is a solid starter. I have him at 28, and I think that he does not belong on the field at all. So we'll start with you. Yeah, again, second-round pick. He's only 24 years old this season. You know, he I, I thought he was okay last year. Like, he's not scary at all. But it, unless this is who he is, in which case he's like a bad starter, very good backup type, you know, he, 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 he held on to the ball last year. Well, he actually he fumbled a lot, but he didn't throw a lot of interceptions. You know, he's not he's not very mobile. There were he, I thought he was okay. Like I, you know, the Jets played against him. He's very quietly, uh, you know, he's efficient. He's he's a grinder. He's gritty. He's scrappy. 
All right, so here's where I drop a stat on you. I have the Pro Football Focus, their quarterback rankings, for the second half of last year. This is weeks 9 to 17. And you'll see later why I have this chart up. But uh, I'm just going to drop to the very, very bottom of the chart. Dead last place, 34th. The worst quarterback in the second half of the NFL last year, Derek Carr. Yeah, that's interesting. I uh, And again, I, I talked about RG3's weapons. that You can't defend Carr's weapons. Like, yeah. But, they never really had a running back, so there's a lot of pressure on him to pass the ball, which he did. He threw the ball 600 times last year, which is crazy, 599. And what's interesting uh, here also is, you know, they, they break it down into a number of categories. His overall is negative 28.4, which just to give you an idea of how bad that is, the next worst was Kyle Orton at negative 23.9. So that's that's four and a half points worse. And then, I mean, it's, it's a really big drop to the bottom there. He was actually the third worst passer. They have him slightly better than Kyle Orton and Blake Bortles. But where he was a disaster, according to Pro Football Focus, was running the ball. They gave him a minus 6.4, and uh, no other quarterback was uh, even close to that. Um, part of that might have been the fumbles. But So the second half of the year, he really regressed, according to the advanced stats. And that's yeah, what- I mean, only threw one interception the last month of the season against four good defenses, Niners, Chiefs, Bills, and Broncos. You know, he had one game where that a nightmare game where they lost fifty-two nothing to the Rams, and and he was really exposed in that game. But the Rams have exposed a lot of people, and probably will this year too. You know, he got into a shootout with Philip Rivers uh, one game, and he threw four touchdowns. Like, I, I don't know. I, like, there were a lot of things to like about him. He also had like a lot of bad games. He had, you know, four multi-pick uh, games, although he never threw more than two. I, I'm definitely not writing him off, and, and the reason I ranked him a little higher than you is I just think there is a little bit of upside there, and. People seem to like him. Like the media around there seems to think that he's the guy, the coaching staff in the organization. Yeah. Like him, and I guess they have no choice, I guess. But uh, there's, I think there might be something there. The, the reason I ranked him at 28 is because I have Winston and Mariota at 26 and 27. And my thinking is, if Derek Carr entered the draft this year, would he have gone ahead of either one of those two? And I think the answer is clearly no. So. No, but, but we've seen Carr. We, the, part of it's the stealing. There is, I would, I will argue, and I don't think you'll disagree, that Winston and Mariota's basements are both lower than Derek Carr. Well, Derek Carr's basement was the worst quarterback in the league last year. According to <laughs> okay, the fair stats. So. <laughs> All right. No, so. but I think there's a chance. There's a chance. I, I think you agree. Just, you know, coupling the fact that he might not be in the league for a bunch of different reasons in a few years, Winston. Yeah. I, I think there's a real chance. There's a chance he's great, but there's a chance he's, you know, Jamarcus Russell, terrible. Yeah, I think we'd all agree it, it, between Carr, Winston, and Mariota, the one least likely to make several Pro Bowls would be Carr, right? The other two have much higher ceilings in terms of their careers. Yeah, oh, no question. And there's no, a reason, yeah, they, went, yeah, there's a reason they went one and two in the draft versus second round. All right, so the next team is interesting in 24th place. The reason it's interesting is because when they had their original starting quarterback, we both had them much lower. That starting quarterback and that team, of course, is Geno Smith of your beloved Jets. Geno got punched in the face and the Jets moved up in our rankings, as we both like Ryan Fitzpatrick more than Geno Smith. Yeah, I mean, Fitzpatrick very quietly was – you know, we talked about the Texans' quarterback problems. They didn't – you know, he wasn't really bombing the ball down the field. But Fitzpatrick was very efficient last year. You know, people don't love quarterback rating. His quarterback rating was over 95. He only threw eight interceptions. You could do a lot worse. Is he a very good backup? Maybe. But I, I, I'd – you know, Geno would have had to really make a big leap to be better than Ryan Fitzpatrick this year. Yeah, and Fitzpatrick's numbers are a little bit skewed because he didn't play so many games and in one of them he threw six touchdowns. But, hey, they all count. So we discussed him a lot in the Jets. So let, let's go ahead to the next – the next two at 23rd and 22nd in our rankings. And it's apropos that they're next to each other because they were traded for each other this offseason. It's Nick Foles and Sam Brad. Yeah, it's hard to gauge Bradford because it's possible that he's never a competent quarterback in the league again. You know, he's missed so much time. Yeah. People forget that he was really trending towards becoming – he was never going to be live up to his number one pick, but he was trending towards becoming a decent NFL player right before he started getting hurt. 
Yeah, so I have a couple of thoughts here. First of all, in 2013, through those first seven games, he had 14 touchdowns and four picks, and I think that's what you're talking about. But mm-hmm. his, his QBR that season was 48.1 when he went down, which if we – 48.1 would have ranked 23rd last year. So, you know, still not very good. Better than the guys we've discussed so far other than Ryan Fitzpatrick, but worse than everybody we've yet to discuss. So even at his ceiling, he still wasn't particularly good. I think the biggest surprise for, for most people – and tell me if you disagree – most people thought before the trade that Nick Foles was a significantly more attractive asset than Sam Bradford. And when that trade came across – at first, people assumed that that draft pick was going along with Bradford to Philadelphia. And when people found out it was the other way around, people were really surprised. Uh, you know, Chip Kelly obviously really likes Bradford, and we'll hear more about that when we talk to Shamir Simon and the Philadelphia Eagles. But, um, you know, were you surprised? Did you see Bradford as better than Foles or before the trade anyhow? Now, now we both ranked Bradford one spot ahead of Foles, but how did you feel before that trade? You know, I was really high in Foles actually going to last year, but he was out played by Mark Sanchez, so I'm off the Foles bandwagon yeah. completely. Well, uh, the problem, I'd rather have Foles on a team like the Eagles because I know he's going to be there. Well, you know, he'll, he'll played three years in his career, and every year he suffered an injury. Last year he had a season-ending injury halfway through the year, just like Bradford did the year before. Yeah, but I mean, like, Foles was never supposed to be some superstar quarterback. Yeah. You know, he's a third-round pick. Like I, I, like, I don't know why we think... Look, nobody, I mean, I, he, listen, he's, he was incredible in 2013, but... I just think he was so exposed last year. Like, again, he outperformed by Sanchez. And, and like, it's a system thing, which is why maybe you want Foles over Bradford because Bradford you can't rely on. Yeah. But I guess I don't know if you can rely on Foles either. I'm, yeah. I'm not, listen, neither of these guys are, are really making me, uh, you know, too excited. Nobody was higher than, on uh, Nick Foles than me going into last year. As the people in my fantasy league can tell you, I spent $68 on Nick Foles as my quarterback in a two quarterback system. That did not work out well. You know, that 27 touchdown two pick, Ratio from 2013. Obviously, that was not sustainable, but but he wasn't even close to that. Although I will point out that his QBR was 63, which was 13th in the league. So even last year when he wasn't good, until he got injured, he was actually an above-average quarterback. And with the 13th best quarterback, you can certainly do something in the playoffs. Yeah, but again, you know, there is that's not really accounting for Chip Kelly's got a no, great ab- system. Absolutely, I think, yeah. I think I, I think Bradford let's can let's those see. Games. I mean, the Rams are very good too, so it's possible that he game manages them to a really good record. Um, but, you know, I, I think a lot of people, you know, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick could probably, uh, you know, put the Rams in the playoffs this year. I think it's just a good team. Yeah. All right. So next we got to 21 and we have Andy Dalton there. Andy Dalton's a much maligned guy. People love to rag on him. Uh, even before he came into the league, an anonymous GM said that a redheaded quarterback couldn't lead his team. All he's done is made the playoffs every year. All he's done is struggled in the playoffs once he's gotten there. Two years ago, his numbers were fantastic. Last year, they were a little worse. But the Bengals saw a guy who, love him or hate him, he's a guy who's going to be your starting quarterback all 16 weeks, almost like an Eli Manning-type player, although he hasn't had the playoff success yet, obviously. And so they gave him a huge contract. And looking at the teams below them, I can't fault them. Not that Dalton's great, but would you rather have one of the situations that we've already discussed? I mean, I I put a big tier, uh, like, warning by Dalton. I think that Dalton's much better than anybody else we've talked about, and he's yeah. a lot closer oh, wow. to the, the, you know, the Cutlers and the Palmers and people we're going to be talking about soon than, than, you know, the Derek Carrs and the Geno Smiths. It's a weird thing with Dalton because you could also say, like, I actually um, have always thought the last two or three years that the Bengals are absolutely loaded with talent. They have, you know, they've got, like, uh, you know, talent coming to their ears on defense. They have A.J. Green. Uh, they've been able to run the ball, uh, even without maybe like one sort of bellwether guy always. 
And, uh, you know, they have, they are very deep in receivers. They got a guy like Marvin, Marvin Jones who uh, missed the entire season last Gio year. Bernard coming out of the backfield. He's yeah, like, you know, a guy like Marvin Jones who is very underrated. And I think people are going to see this year he has a big season. So I don't know if Dalton's making, not that Dalton's turning AJ Green into AJ Green, but like, I don't know if Dalton's making these guys good or if Dalton's doing well because he has so many great weapons. And then for whatever reason, they're getting exposed. But there are guys who have always seen Dalton. And, and you know, as a, a Jets fan who's seen, we've played Dalton a couple times with bad teams now. He seems like a guy who destroys bad teams and gets, and really gets beat up by the good teams. And we, you know, there aren't a lot of guys like that nowadays, but. I feel like back in the day, that was a very common thing. Yeah, I think you're right. He really does well against the bad teams. The next guy on the list at number 20, Jay Cutler, similar to Dalton. I actually had Cutler rated below him. You had him above. But he's a guy who's had a ton of weapons in Chicago as well. He has injury concerns that Dalton doesn't have, which is one reason I'd rather have Dalton. Cutler's also older, and Cutler has a lot of, you know, let's say personality issues, to put it mildly, that um, that Dalton doesn't have. But do you think that Jay Cutler can be the quarterback of a team that can contend for a Super Bowl? I mean, it's hard to say because they've had so many good players. Like, I guess if they had, like, a top three or five defense in the league, you know, you could do it. But he's not the guy you'd want just because he throws so many interceptions. The players don't seem to really like him. You know, there's clearly something wrong with him. Uh, you know, his wife is uh, is, uh, is a vaccination truther. <laughs> but she's a decent actress on, on the league. Uh, yeah, she's work. She's like the Jay Cutler of actresses. Uh, I think uh, Cutler's fine. I'd be, I'd be, you know, I'd be thrilled as a, as a, someone who's a fan of a bottom ten quarterback team. I'd be thrilled to have Cutler on my team. But you just like he always leaves you wanting more. He's as you said, he's had tremendous weapons. Like not only did he have a decent tight end and Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey, and you know he's had good receivers his whole career. He also had you know the best you know or one of the best you know pass receiving running backs. Anything you could ask for, a competent offensive line, and they just haven't spun it into anything, and he seems to disappear when the moment gets really big. So, uh, like, Cutler is fine. If Cutler is the 20th best quarterback in the league, then the league is doing pretty well in terms of, you know, producing QBs, because I feel like in a different era, he would have been much higher up. Yeah, you mentioned that you'd rather have him than any of the guys on these quarterback poor teams. Uh, one of the things that Ari Gleischer, our Bears fan, mentioned a couple of days ago was the fact that, and it's, you know, Chicago is a franchise that's been around for 80 years and has won Super Bowls and is legendary. They haven't had a good quarterback in 50 years. They hadn't had a 3,000-yard passer. When Jay Cutler came to town, he was immediately the best quarterback that they had had in decades since Sid Luckman. No matter how bad he's been in Chicago, he still is. When you're a quarterback-poor franchise, you really appreciate a guy, even if he's only the 20th best quarterback in the league, because you know that that's better than being in the, at, at 30 for year after year. Yeah, Eric Kramer's stewing at home right now. <laughs> All right, well, next we have a guy who's very hard to rank for a number of reasons, but we... Uh, we were pretty close on him, and we put him at 19th, Carson Palmer. Yeah, Palmer, I, I mean, it's so tricky because Palmer was so bad for a bunch of years before last year, right? Yeah. Like, he was on his way out of the league. You know, people thought, like, what are the Cardinals doing? Like, how could they, you know, that team, how, how are they uh, trusting Palmer with it? And then I don't know if it's just the team was so fantastic or, you know, the coaching staff was putting him in the right spots, but he was so good before he went down. But he's, you know, he's 35 now. He's been injured a zillion times. I don't know about Carson Palmer. What do you think? Well, so I was actually surprised I had him two spots higher than you on our rankings because I'm not high on him. Uh, last year, his numbers, he was 10th in the league in QBR. He was 9th in the league in, in the Chester QBR. Actually, here's an analogy for you. Not that I'm comparing him to a borderline Hall of Famer like Kurt Warner, but like Kurt Warner, 
He was a star quarterback for a long time. He didn't reach Warner's heights, but he was very good in Cincinnati. He was a pro bowler year after year. Then he struggled. He went to Oakland. He struggled. He got traded to Arizona. Then all of a sudden, he, get, he gets the job. He has six fantastic games. He gets injured, which he always does. Now they're coming back, and, and they have a lot of high hopes on him. You know, Kurt Warner, if you remember, he got after St. Louis. He was still in St. Louis. Mark Bolger took the job from him. He went to the Giants, where he was a backup to Eli. He came to the Cardinals to be a backup to Matt Leinart. They didn't expect him to get the job. And, of course, he did and led them to the Super Bowl at, at an advanced age before he, he broke down. Arizona were 6-0 and last year with Carson Palmer as their quarterback. So you can't say that you can't win with him because they did last year. Yeah, you can win with him. I don't know if you can win the Super Bowl. Again, Kurt Warner had thrown for 800 yards in two Super Bowl games by the time he reached the stage you just mentioned. Carson Palmer has never won a playoff game. You know, yeah. he, he got injured on his first pass, yeah. of course, in 2005, and then he lost his only his only real playoff game in 2009. So it's not real. it's not really a direct comparison. Yes, there's something there, and there's certainly enough talent, and there's a lot of good, like, mojo surrounding the Cardinals right now that I do think they can go somewhere with him. But, you know, if you get into a, you know, Carson Palmer-Aaron Rodgers duel in the second or third round of the playoffs, or or even, you know, Carson Palmer-Rome or Carson Palmer-Russell Wilson, like, that's going to be a big test and not something that he's ever, you know, gone through in his career before. Yep. All right, so next we have a guy who you heard my opinions about in the Vikings podcast, but Teddy Bridgewater. I have him at 16th, which is, you know, I think fairly reasonable. You had him at 19th. Can I uh, drop a couple Teddy Bridgewater stats on you? Go for it. All right, this is from Bruce Feldman. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater completed 73% of his passes in the Vikings' final five games last year. Four of those were against top seven defenses. Here's another mm-hmm. one. From weeks 9 to 17, second half of the year, Traditional quarterback rating, Bridgewater was 7th, ahead of Tom Brady, Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, Peyton Manning. In fact, as I mentioned that that, uh, that chart I had earlier related to Derek Carr, this is pro football focus. These are advanced stats. This is not traditional quarterback rating. Weeks 9 to 17, second half of the year, who do you think was the best quarterback in the NFL the second half of the year last year? Not Teddy Bridgewater? Well, no. I mean, let's be honest. It was, it was Aaron Rodgers, obviously. It's always okay. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> 22.8 was his overall number for Pro Football Focus. Second was Drew Brees at 20. Who was third? Oh, boy. Geno Smith. Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I mean, so if you really look at it, then, you know, at his numbers, he did get much better. Part of that, part of the reason why his numbers look so terrible is he had a miserable first four games, right? He had the, you know, horrendous game where they lost 17 to 3 to Against the Lions. Yeah, that was you know, the name that was he, real, he really was a disaster in Buffalo. Also, good defense. His very weird numbers, weird looking numbers in the in the game they won against the Falcons, where he threw for over 300 yards, um, but you know, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, well, the touchdowns—it's a bit misleading because they, you know, they kept pounding the ball in at home with uh, Matt. Yeah, but but you could again—we're talking about like what weapons they have, and they didn't have a ton of weapons. You know, they had no Adrian Peterson. No way to prepare for having no Adrian Peterson. Yeah. And, you know, the receivers were, you know, really not lighting the league on fire. So I don't know. Yeah, but again, uh, again when advanced stats had him ahead of Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger and Russell Wilson and Tony Romo and Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck and everybody, do I think he's that good? Obviously not. But there's a real reason for confidence. Uh, here's one more number. Uh, this is from Doug Fair at Sports Illustrated, uh, well, although he got it from Pro Football Focus. Last year, under pressure... Teddy Bridgewater completed 83% of his passes. That was the highest figure in the league by far. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, he played very well against a really good Carolina defense. 
I was very impressed with him when they played the when they played the Jets. That was probably his best game of the year. So we, we've discussed Teddy enough, uh, but the next guy on this list is a guy who we also disagree with quite a lot, and that's Alex Smith. Alex Smith is fine. I have him 19th, but you have him 14th. So you think he's he's above average? Tell me why. I mean, the idea of like a guy who is not turning the ball over at all, which he really doesn't, who's very accurate. There, you know, when you have a good running game, a guy like that is so valuable because you're just moving down the ball down the field a lot. Everyone obviously is Teddy Bridgewater's ceiling. Higher than Alex Smith, of course it is. Uh, you know, even although Smith had that fantastic game against the Colts in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, no, listen, Smith—he's not just the game manager. Like he yeah. definitely can sling the ball. You watch Smith, and you come away. He's really like a professional quarterback. Like you come away being very impressed. You know, it's I don't not professional Akiva. Last year, how many touchdown passes did the receivers have on the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, that's the receivers' problem, probably. <laughs> I mean, because he threw eighteen touchdowns. Akiva. Uh, Akiva. To, to non in the wide current, receivers, in the, in might the, be the most in the league. Yeah, he had nine to tight ends. He had nine to running backs. He had zero to receivers. In today's NFL, I didn't think it was possible for a, an entire team of wide receivers. Look, they weren't great, great wide receivers, but again, zero, zero. Alex Smith has to have some responsibility for that. Definitely. But another thing, he's only 31, so he, you know he could still be in his prime right now. He's had a season where he's completed 70% of his passes. You know, it's he's had four straight seasons where he's played. You know, three of them he's played the entire season, but all four of them he's thrown five, six, or seven interceptions. He doesn't fumble a lot. So if you have a team that's surrounded by talent, and I don't know, the Chiefs are kind of an enigma. I'm not sure if they fit that bill, but there's certainly some talent there. I, you know, you can. I think I'm going to say you can win a Super Bowl with Alex Smith as your quarterback. No question. All right. Well, let's move on then. Uh, You've given me your piece on Alex Smith. We actually have him tied at 16th with Matt Stafford of the Lions. Now, Matt Stafford's a guy, if you ask me, who's really been trading on his reputation for a few years now. In 2011, he had that incredible season. He had 5,000 yards. He had 40 touchdowns. His his traditional quarterback rating was, was 97. His QBR was 64. He really looked like a superstar in the making. Uh, the team went 10 and 6, of course. Since then, the team has been under 500, and he's gotten worse and worse every year. His touchdown to interception ratio is is one of the worst in football. He um, even and, th- and th- this is keeping in mind all the all the talent that he's had around him on offense, uh, including you know Calvin Johnson. So, do we think that he has the potential to become what he was in 2011, like a superstar again? Yeah, Stafford's a little bit of an enigma because he had this crazy reputation as a guy who couldn't stay healthy his first two years, but now he's played in 64 games the last four seasons. Yeah. You know, people, I think, think of him as a better player, maybe because he's a pretty decent fantasy quarterback. But hold on. Yeah, I know. He, he hasn't even been a good fantasy quarterback. Yeah. Though. I mean, he's thrown for, he's never, he hasn't thrown for less than 4,200 yards in a full season. Yeah. But 22 touchdowns and, and then two years before that, 20 touchdowns in today's NFL. That's not, that's not getting it done. Right. That's a good backup. That's not even, that's not even your starter nowadays. Yeah. But listen, his completion percentage is, you know, has been hovering around 60, which the trend of the league is much higher, is about 65. Yeah. And then, you know, sometimes he just disappears in big games. You want to like him, but sometimes we, 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 uh, we say like, ah, you know, he has, he wasn't so good. Quarterback wasn't so good. But who are the pieces around him? But Stafford's never had that argument. He's always had good pieces around him. So, you know, I want to like Stafford, but yeah, I, I just feel like he's really underwhelmed. He was okay in the playoffs last year. Not great, but, you know, he didn't lose them that game single-handedly. Yeah, he's a guy who I think his perception just doesn't match the reality of what he's been the last couple of years. I, I looked at the uh, quarterback rankings of ESPN, Sports Illustrated, USA Today, and Bill Barnwell. All of them had Stafford 12, 13, or 14 which means definitely above average. You know, not elite, but definitely above average. The stats don't back that up. Last year, his QBR was 21st. 
His uh, his Chester QBR was 22nd. So his numbers are significantly lag behind the reputation that he has. And again, as you said, this isn't a guy who's had nobody to throw to. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's 27, so it's possible that he could have another 2011 for sure. He probably has one. Not a, 2011 was an aberration just because he was so ridiculously good. But I think he can top the 2012 to 2014 Stafford at least one more time. Um, you know, he, he, you know, people forget, you know, cause it feels like he's been in the league forever. The guy's got, you know, 10 more years left as a quarterback. So, you know, it's reasonable, I think, to put him in the middle of the pack. Like if there are 16 better quarterbacks than Matthew Stafford, God bless them. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to one of them, according to me, although you have him ranked right behind Stafford at 15th. It's Colin Kaepernick. Now Kaepernick's a really tough guy to rank. He's gotten worse every single year of his career statistically, and this is by virtually any stat you look at, whether it's yards per attempt, whether it's QBR. I still have him 14th, and the reason I have him that high, and as I said, he averages out at 15th, is because of the fact that he's done it in the playoffs before, and because of the fact that he's dynamic enough with his legs that he can create something even even when he's on the run, even out of the pocket. But is he a guy, as we said, and we talked about this a lot on the 49ers podcast, he's gotten worse three years in a row. He's still relatively young. Do we see him turning it around, or, or is he sort of settled into being an average quarterback? Well, ironically, Colin Kaepernick and Matthew Stafford for the same age. Um, and obviously, you know, Stafford is a lot more has a lot more miles, but Kaepernick has certainly accomplished more, uh, you know, coming you know inches away from winning a Super Bowl already. That said, I kind of regret this ranking. I think if I needed... It gunned him ahead, needed to win a Super Bowl. I kind of think I'd, I'd rather have Matthew Stafford for a season than Kaepernick. Uh, yes, the, the rushing is great, but a lot of teams can contain it. You know, he'll have one game a year or two games a year where he wins a game with his legs. You know, he almost did that in the crazy Chargers game at the end of last year. He ran for 150 yards. Yeah, but he's also been a better, even, even struggling the last couple of years, he's been a better passer than, than, than Stafford. His, his, his touchdown interception ratio has been better. His yards yeah, he doesn't per, turn the ball over. His yards per attempt has been better. His QBR has been better. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, his weapons have been really good, too. Like we said, Stafford's had good weapons. The Niners have had, you know, uh, last year, I mean, they were loaded with good receivers. They didn't really use them well. Yeah, but. I mean, I think they, they were loaded with big names who aren't good anymore. Stevie Johnson wasn't good anymore. Anquan yeah. Bolden's really old. Uh, Michael Crabtree has never been the same since he came back from that injury. Yeah, but also, let's see, I, I, how about this? I want to see Kaepernick without his amazing coach. Let's see him, what he does with Jim Tomsula. All right, well, yeah, let's see what he does this year. It'll, it, it, he's one of those guys, he's not the same as RG3. He's obviously a level above RG3, but it's it's really a make-or-break year for him, and his reputation is going to go a long way in one direction or the other, I think, by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. All right, so next we have tied for 13th, two guys, one of whom is seen as the classic average solid quarterback who can turn it on when necessary and one of whom is the guy who you think is already at that level and might be even approaching the next level so we'll start with the younger one which is ryan Tannehill. we heard all about your love for ryan Tannehill on the dolphins podcast for those who weren't there recap briefly why you love him so much yeah Tannehill got much better last year it did it without uh, really any significant weapons i mean the guys that were falling out of the league like mike wallace and brian hartline yes jarvis landry was really good but, uh, you know, the running back turned it on as the year went on. But uh, he's really on a very positive trajectory. Another 27-year-old quarterback, by the way, even though he's only got three years under his belt. I like the fact that he that he cut down the interceptions, but he really made a tremendous improvement. I mean, he went from completing 60% of his passes to completing two-thirds of his passes. I, you know, I, I, I think that if he gets better one more time, like to this extent, and Philbin's definitely a good offensive coach. He has it in him to become a top ten quarterback. And when you play him, and I, as a Jets fan, I see him, you know, for every play, two games a year, and play, you know, certainly pay a lot of attention. 
as a team. I hate the Dolphins. He, he's actually not a bad runner. He's a really big dude. I, I, you know, I, I, I like Tannehill, and I think it would not. I'm gonna. This is gonna be a hot take. Warning: Hot take approaching. It would not blow my mind if Ryan Tannehill was a Super Bowl winning quarterback at some point in his career. Yeah, well, I've mentioned already the uh, Pro Football Focus uh, rankings for the second half of last year, the ones in which uh, Teddy Bridgewater was number three and Derek Carr was dead last. If you look to the rest of the top ten, it's everybody you'd expect. It's it's Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, then Bridgewater, then Brady, Roethlisberger. Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, Tony Romo, Joe Flacco, Cam Newton, uh, Andrew Luck. The one guy I skipped at number six is Ryan Tannehill. So Tannehill already looked like he might be on his way to being a top ten quarterback. Yeah, well, it was a little bit weird at the end of last season. I mean, against your beloved Vikings, he went absolutely out of his mind, right? He threw for almost 400 yards, four touchdowns. But some of the stats were deceiving. He was really uh, not good uh, when they got killed by the Jets in the last game of the year. He put up big numbers against the Patriots when they lost by four touchdowns. You know, his numbers were pretty good against the, the, the Ravens when they lost at home by 15. Like, you know, I don't know, like the defense for some reason completely collapsed in December, completely collapsed. But, you know, I, it's hard for me to really reward what Tano was doing down the stretch because the team was playing so terribly. Yeah. Well, but you are rewarding him. You have him 11 in your rankings. No, I, I'm just saying, yeah. like, yes, he was really good. But there, there were games where, even the games they were winning, you know, 16, 13, 22 to 9, he wasn't lighting the world on fire. Yeah. Uh, so some of that was, uh, you know, pat, you know, panning his stats in bloods. But I, I do think that he's on the right trajectory. Nobody improved last season more than him. And like, if that's who he, if this is who he is, then, you know, he's like Joe Flacco with not as good of a deep arm and slightly more accurate Joe Flacco. Like, that's fine. But if he can make one more leap, then, uh, you know, it's pretty scary for the AFC East. Yeah, so I'm not quite ready to put him on uh, knocking on the door of the top 10 like you are. As I said, I have him at 15. I'll note that all those rankings that I mentioned earlier, ESPN, Asai, USA Today, Barnwell, nobody has him higher than 15. And his numbers, both his QBR and his Chester QBR, were, were, were 16 and 14, respectively. So I think that he's he's definitely already a solid average quarterback. And if he if he continues to improve the way he did last year, then, then, I'll, then I'll come more to your side next year. And uh, tied with him at 13th in our cumulative rankings, and we both ranked him exactly 13, is Eli Manning. Now we've both spent a lot of our lives living in New York and not Giants fans, so we've heard more than more than we care to about Eli Manning. But Eli actually had a fantastic season for him last year, and really a bounce back from the year before when he was one of the worst quarterbacks in football. And what I've always said about Eli Manning is that a guy who can perform at an average level, but you know is going to take the field 16 games a year, that by itself makes you one of the top 13 or 14 quarterbacks in the league just because there's not a lot of guys who play week in, week out, year after year the way he does and do it at, at at least an average level. That's true. I think, I mean, at this point, Eli has an advantage in which he's basically throwing the ball up and he's got a guy who can catch any pass for a touchdown, basically. Yeah. So, you know, rewarding him for doing things that, you know, almost everybody we've mentioned can do at this point. And he went absolutely insane the last few games of the year, like out of his mind, you know, 253 touchdowns in his third to last game. 391, three touchdowns, no picks, and then he ended the season in a loss with 429 yards passing. Like he, you know, he completely went berserk uh, at the end of the season when you know the season was totally over. I know that you hate Eli Manning and that you think like it's a, it's a, you know, embarrassment and a stain on the NFL's legacy that he has two Super Bowl rings. Well, it's it's not it's not that I hate him. What I hate is when fans tend to give collective prizes, i.e., championships, and judge quarterbacks on that. Case in point being Eli, Tom Brady versus, let's say, Peyton Manning. Eli's a serviceable quarterback. He's very similar to Joe Flacco, although I think Flacco is a little bit better than him. We'll get to him in a minute. But he has the ability 
to be good enough for four consecutive games, especially if he has a great defense behind him, to win a Super Bowl. And ultimately, that's all you want from your quarterback. But that doesn't make you a Hall of Famer. He's also a little bit more hot and cold than the for sure. great QBs. You know, he'll have a game. Last year, he only had one. Uh, although he played very poorly the first two games of the season. So you could argue he had two or three. But he had one game, and he has this every year, where complete meltdown. You wonder how they ever won the Super Bowl. You know, you, you like you think, oh, Eli's career is over. You right. know, last year was against the Niners at home. He threw five interceptions. I think his last. And then he comes out the next week and he tears apart the uh, the, the Cowboys. Absolutely, like slays their defense. So I, I think if I if I'm not mistaken, his last three games against the Vikings, he has 12 turnovers. So yeah, he usually traditionally the way it works with Eli is he starts out hot in September October. He goes through a tailspin in November and early December. He's really really bad, and then he gets good enough late in the season, especially the two years they won the Super Bowl, that uh, that he wins the Super Bowl and everybody forgets about him. Um, but look, I, I don't I don't hate Eli. I just I, I hate the fact that I live in New York where everybody wants to crown him all the time. But the bottom line is he's won two Super Bowls, so he's in a select group based on that alone. Yeah, I mean Eli's Eli. All right, yeah, that's the mo- that's the best we can say about him. All right, the next guy on our list is a guy about who we have pretty strong disagreements. Uh, that's Cam Newton. You had him at 15, I had him at nine, which is a big disparity. The average is 12. His numbers did not justify that last year, but um, I- I'm really more in the uh, the Bill Barnwell camp on this. Barnwell actually rated him eighth. He's the only person I've seen who has him higher than my ranking of nine. And Barnwell basically says that he's done it with nobody helping him in terms of receivers. His, his, be, his best target is Greg Olson, who's, a, who's an above-average tight end, but nothing special. Calvin Benjamin looks like he's starting to emerge, but he can do it with his legs, he can do it with his arm, he can, uh, he can apparently uh, get into fights into practice, as we saw a couple of weeks ago. Why do you think that Cam Newton's down at 15, which means he's below Eli, he's below Tannehill, he's below Alex Smith even? I mean, here's the thing. You, if you, the case for Cam Newton is a weird one because, right, He's had as bad of a weapon, you know, set of weapons as anybody, although that's getting a little better. That being said, you know, his completion percentage is stuck in the 50s, which is really bad. He had eight straight games last year where he threw at least one interception, which, you know, is never happening to the guys ahead of him on this list for the most part. He disappears sometimes in big games. You know, the Saints, we talked about they were, the, you know, a horrible, horrible defense last year. 10 for 28 for 151 yards in interception. Yeah, the running, again, there are certain teams, depending on the scheme, where he can run you to a win. You know, talking the same way we talked about Kaepernick. So he ran for over 100 yards on a touchdown against the Bengals in, in the uh, ridiculous tie game. And then later in the year, he actually really picked up and he had touchdown, you know, he had over 50 yards and a touchdown rushing in each of the last three regular season games. But that stuff didn't really work in the playoffs. He was uh, 18 for 72. And he wasn't great in the playoffs. Like, he did enough to beat uh, a Cardinals team that obviously he had to beat because it wasn't a real NFL team with that quarterback, right? Yeah. And then, uh, you know, he did about as well as you'd expect. They moved the ball against the Seahawks, but he turned the ball over a couple times uh, and lost the game that they had no business winning anyway. I, I need to see a little bit more. Uh, if, if you put Cam Newton with the Steelers' talent or with – I'd be very curious. Like, if you gave him, like, Cruz and, and Odell Beckham or – Something like that, what he'd do. But we don't know, so we're just guessing at this point. Also, another young guy, only 26, so certainly his best days are probably ahead of him. Although, you know, the running is only going to get worse, uh, you know, pretty quickly, because that usually goes away in your later 20s. I don't know. I Like, what do you love about him? I just think that he has the capability to, to put a team on his back, as he did look last year at the end of the year. He destroyed the Falcons in a must-win game. Then he won a playoff game. Wait, he destroyed it. He only threw... And complete passes. Yeah, but they won 34-3. to He also ran for 50 yards in a touchdown. 
that that's given what the offense is, does things with his legs. I just think that he's a guy he's a guy who can can win football games. And now I'm turning into what I said I hated about Eli. Yeah. But I just think that he's 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 really he hasn't had a great he hasn't had a good offensive coach. He hasn't had a great system. He hasn't had great support around him. And yet he's 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 found a way to win. He's a big body. He only threw for 300 yards once. Like he is a weird guy to judge because you know he ran the ball over 100 times last year, which obviously takes away from his passing stats. I do. I want to see him this year. I'm, I'm actually now that we say this, I'm more curious to see him than almost any other QB in the league. All right. Next on our list is a guy who actually, the more I look into him, the more impressed I am. And that's 11th on our list, although you had him ninth. That's Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco, as I said, he's often seen as, as sort of an Eli type of guy, an average to slightly above average quarterback who can turn it on, possibly, and win a Super Bowl. The difference is, first of all. He's been much more of a winner both in the regular season and the playoffs than Eli. He's the Baltimore Ravens. He's started every single game of his career uh, for uh, eight straight years. He's never missed a game. Uh, this is starting his eighth season, and they've never had a losing record. And in the playoffs, Eli managed a team who had a great defense. Joe Flacco, when they won that Super Bowl over San Francisco, he had one of the best four-game runs in NFL history. I mean. It was Joe Flacco on the offense that won that Super Bowl. Last year, he had a career year statistically. He had 27 touchdowns and 12 picks, which I think uh, mirrors uh, Ryan Tannehill. He had just under 4,000 yards. So he had career high, uh, career high touchdowns, career high yards, career high yards. Per temp, career high QBR, 67, and that was after being under 50 the previous two years. So I think Flacco's gone from being an average quarterback to being actually a really good quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you watch him play, and it's he's one of those guys who's better than the stats because his deep ball is so incredible, and yeah. you know he makes it look so effortless, and he just he could fling the ball anywhere on the field. It's really ridiculous. Uh, and yes, like Eli, he has games where he's white hot. You know, he threw five touchdowns against the Bucks. He you know he had three three hundred twenty seven yards and three touchdowns in like five minutes work against the Panthers last year. He, you know, he, he last uh, he the game in the playoffs against the Patriots, he almost won single-handedly. Also, he did throw a couple of interceptions, but he had four touchdowns there. Flacco has good weapons. Like Torrey Smith had a great year last year. Maybe that was, you know, sort of a chicken egg thing where Flacco was bringing Torrey Smith to have the great year. The thing with Flacco is he's going up against really good defenses. Like the Cincinnati defense is really rough. Obviously, the Pittsburgh defense and Cleveland they struggled last year, but their defense was very highly ranked. You know, they'll face the Texans like they did last year. By the way, his numbers in the Texans game, 21 for 50 for under 200 yards and three interceptions. Not great. But um, I, I don't know. He just like when you watch him play, there's like a little bit of a magic about the Ravens and, and, the, and the John Harbaugh team that, uh, you know, is, is really interesting. And that's why I'm pretty high in Baltimore this year. Yeah, we've talked about the fact that he's won. Here's a stat for you. There's only 10 quarterbacks in NFL history other than Flacco. So I guess he's the 11th. Who have a winning percentage of six of sixty five percent or higher and have won seventy games? It's Flacco and the other ten guys, pretty much all Hall of Famers or future Hall of Famers: Roger Staubach, Steve Young, Kenny Stabler, uh, who's not in the Hall of Fame. He's the only one on this list who's not active, who's not in the Hall of Fame. Terry Bradshaw, Otto Graham, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Johnny Unitas, and Joe Montana. That's a yeah, great quite list. A list. Yeah, that's, that's a really impressive list. Although Ken Stabler is like kind of the Eli Manning of his day, no. Yeah, a little bit. The worst person in the group that we're identifying Flacco with is Stabler, and everybody else is a Hall of Famer. And he hasn't missed a game in his career, and you got to get credit for that. So I think that, uh, whereas I said Eli doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, but if, if he keeps going for another five or six years, he'll compile the numbers to go with two Super Bowls that he will be in the Hall of Fame. 
I think that Joe Flacco, and I'm surprised to hear myself say this, but I think he actually is on a Hall of Fame trajectory, even though he'll never win an MVP. He'll never even be in consideration for an MVP. But I think he's probably going to end up in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, 100% agree. All right, now we reach the top 10. And each of these guys in the top 10 probably will be in the Hall of Fame. For some of the younger guys, they have they have well, to keep it going. But I think all the 10 guys we have left will be in the Hall of Fame one day, unless something catastrophic happens to one of the young guys. And we'll start with, with the guy who's who's the most... You know, on the edge of that list, that's number 10, that's Philip Rivers. Yeah, first of all, I disagree with you a little bit. I'm not anti-Philip Rivers, but if 10 of the 32 quarterbacks are in the Hall of Fame, then, like, maybe we need to change our standards for the Hall of Fame. Philip Rivers really hasn't won a lot of big games in his career. He's never been to a Super Bowl. Yeah, well, look, in my all-time quarterback ratings, coming into this season, I have Philip Rivers 30th. The five guys ahead of him, none of them are in the Hall of Fame, although a couple of them might be. Kurt Warner, Donovan McNabb, Ben Roethlisberger. But the top 24... Every single one who's eligible is in the Hall of Fame, except for one, Kenny Anderson, and, Ken, and he should be in the Hall of Fame. Now, as you said, you know, Philip Rivers hasn't won a big game in the playoffs yet. He hasn't had an iconic moment, but his numbers have been really good, and people thought that he was starting to get older, he was on the wrong side, that he was going downhill, and he turned it around in 2013. He had a much better season. So last year, Philip Rivers, the first month of the year, was the MVP of the league. He was really, really good, but he really struggled down the stretch. People talked about Peyton Manning getting older, Tom Brady even a little bit, although, of course, that narrative got changed in the playoffs. But Philip Rivers ended up leading the league in interceptions. He was not so good the second half of the year. So are we too optimistic putting him back up at number 10? I don't know. Like, to me... Rivers is 33. I feel like he is what he is. There's no upside there. Like, yes, if you put Rivers on a great team, that team could probably make a Super Bowl. But I think this is a pretty fair ranking for him. Yeah, it's interesting. We are actually lower on him than, than the so-called experts. Uh, ESPN, Asai, USA Today, Barnwell, they all have Philip Rivers 6, 7, or 8, and we both have him at 10. Yeah, I mean, there's just more upside with the with the Russell Wilsons and even the Matt Ryan. Yeah, and I think, look, his, uh, his QBR last year was 9th. Uh, his Chester QBR was 12th. I think the numbers, especially as I said, the second half of the year when he struggled, the numbers support where we rank him more than where the others rank him. His his pro football focus numbers the second half of the year, he was 18th in pro football focus the second half of the year. Uh, He was in the negatives, negative 2.3. He was one spot behind Zach Mettenberger. Wow. I mean, he's a a little bit of a better Dalton in the sense that he really eats up bad defenses. And he had an amazing game early in the season where he beat the Seahawks. But other than that, I mean, you see some of his numbers, you know, 377 yards and three touchdowns against the Jaguars, over 300 yards and three touchdowns and interceptions against the Raiders. Like, a lot of his numbers come from just destroying bad defenses. And I guess in support of that argument is the fact that they've lost a lot of playoff games. Even when they had great teams, when they had Antonio Gates and Ladanian Tomlinson in their prime, and those are two future Hall of Famers at their positions. And, um, you know, they lost a lot of playoff games at home as well. Yeah, and last year, I believe, the, the Chiefs game at the end of the year, they needed to win. Yep. to make the playoffs, and uh, he was okay, but he threw two interceptions, no touchdowns. Uh, they only scored seven points, which is on him. All right, next we have at number nine, Russell Wilson. This is a guy we disagreed about again. I had him number six. You had him number 12. His Chester QBR was fourth in the league. His traditional his, his ESPN QBR was eighth in the league. Um, I'll note that all the other experts have him higher than you do. Why, are, why do you have him down at 12th, given what he's done? And given what his team's done in his short career. Again, I want to, you know, the guys ahead of him just accomplished so much more that I'm just, it's really on speculation that we're going to put Wilson, uh, who, by the way, is the same age as a lot of these guys. He's 26 also. Um, put Wilson on that pedestal after just three seasons. Yeah, but he's, won, being, he's won 75% of his games. In yeah, no, listen. He's been the to multiple Super Bowls. The team is incredible. Yeah. So that, that being said, the numbers are pretty good. 
Um, you know, he, he he's certainly not as prolific, and they are a little bit more of a running team, but he's never thrown for 3,500 3, yards. Um, you know, he hasn't hit, like, the 30-touchdown ba- barrier yet. I mean, not that those are, you know, the be-all and end-all of numbers, yeah, but... Yeah, but Akiva, he also ran for 850 yards and six totally, touchdowns totally. this year. So if you ha- if you he actually he- listen and and again if you're really gonna make the pro Russell Wilson argument he almost won the Super Bowl against a really really good team with you know arena league receivers yeah so uh, maybe I'm a little low on him but I just I, I think for body of work I need just one more season and there's no reason to expect to think that he won't get it but it's hard to put uh, Wilson above some of these guys who've done it for 10, 11 years around. All right, well, I'm going to throw these words back in your face when we get to number five. But um, we'll get there. Next, we have eighth on our list, Matt Ryan. We both have him exactly eighth. This is something that the Falcons guy on our podcast talked about a lot. It's not a particularly good team, but as long as you have a good quarterback, you always feel like you have a chance. Is Matt Ryan still an elite quarterback, though? Yeah, I, it, it, Ryan frustrates me because when we talk about weapons, he's you know he cannot obviously complain at all, certainly about um, – the, the passing game, you know, the running game has left a lot to be desired for a little while now. I, I, there's just something – I don't know if there's something missing in Ryan. I, I do think that obviously they needed a big coaching change. Um, and even though they hired a defensive coach, um, maybe things will change. You know, his interceptions have been troubling the last two years, 17 and 14. But uh, there's still things that are great about him. He's, I mean, he's completing an obscene amount of his passes, you know, close to 70 a couple times. Or, you know, basically two-thirds every year. I mean, I don't know. Like, I really, I just think that the rest of the the defense is so bad that we're judging these guys on wins and losses when Ryan is at full strength going out there and throwing for like 500 yards against the Saints and doing a you know absurd things that almost nobody else in the league can do. Like, I, I what does it mean? Is he elite? If you put him on the Seahawks, are they making the Super Bowl? Of course. Like, yes, they're still making the the Super Bowl with Ryan instead of Russell Wilson. So I, what do you mean? Like, I, you know, w- is there a big difference between Matt Ryan and Joe Flacco? Probably not. 2008 to 2012, when they just won and won and won, he was seen sort of as a as a rich man's uh, Flacco, maybe even a poor man's Tom Brady. But all of a sudden, when they've lost the last two years, the shine really comes off him. But he hasn't been that much of a different quarterback. He's had a few more interceptions, but his numbers have been somewhat similar, which, again, I guess speaks to the fact that if we focus just on a, a team's record when judging a quarterback, we can be misled a little bit. But um, that really leads na- nicely into the next player on our list. And this is the guy about whom we have the biggest disagreement of every quarterback in the NFL. That's Ben Roethlisberger. You have him at number four, and I have him down at number 11. And I'll say my piece first. I think that he's been a guy, traditionally he's been overrated because he's been on teams with great defenses, and they've won not because of him, but in spite of him, if anything. They've won multiple Super Bowls. All that having been said, last year, finally, for the first time, he was really, really good. Last year, he had career highs across the board. He had over 30 touchdowns for only the second time in his career, but he also had fewer interceptions than he's had in a full season ever. He had by far a career high in passing yards. He had almost 5,000 passing yards. His quarterback, his, his QBR was sixth in the league at 72. In the previous years, it had been in the 50s and in the low 60s. So he'd always been a guy who was basically an average quarterback with, who would win because he had a great defense. Last year, for the first time, he was a great quarterback, which is why I put him up at number 11, which I think is fair. I have him ahead of guys like Eli, but I want to see him do it more than one year in a row. But you're all in. You have him at number four ahead of a whole slew of, of perennial pro bowlers. Yeah, I mean, so your argument is fair that he really just became elite last year. And you could say, like, oh, he has Antonio Brown, who might be the best receiver in the NFL. I mean, I guess Odell Beckham, although his, you know, he's got eight games. But but Antonio Brown is obviously amazing. Uh, they certainly have a scheme working there and a great coaching staff. 
but only Russell Wilson and Rodgers threw less picks than him. I think only one or two guys had more yards per attempt. He threw 608 passes, which was more than everybody uh, but Luck and Ryan, and he only threw nine interceptions. So his interception percentage was obscenely low with a bad offensive line. You know, he got sacked over twice a game. I, I don't know if you can blame him. He's always been sacked a ton. So you can – and he's had good players on on his offensive line. He holds the ball a long time. He has a big body. He can afford to do that. But, um, you know, that's partly the way he plays. Yeah, I, the thing is that Roethlisberger, I think even more than an Eli, he, you know, he's become a little bit breezish in which if there's a game where both defenses just can't stop the other team, like he's there to, you know, he'll, he'll be able to throw up, put up video game numbers partially because he can break down a play. A guy can get open deep, like a Brown can get open deep. And, you know, Roethlisberger can let plays go longer than basically any quarterback in the history of the league. Yeah. So when he, you know, when he, when things are clicking, I mean, look at his numbers in the middle of last year. 40 for 49 for 522 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions against the Colts, a and playoff then, team. And then the next week. <laughs> and then the next week, again, six touchdowns, no interceptions, uh, you know, with 340, 27 out of 30, 25 out of 37. Another really good team, the Ravens. Yeah, look, no one can dispute what he did last year. It's also interesting, he's always been seen as injury prone, but he's now played a full season two years in a row, which he's never done before. He has... Possibly the best running back in the league in Le'Veon Bell, the best wide receiver in Antonio Brown. Now that he finally has weapons around him, he really does look like a superstar. And if he does it again, if he repeats this year what he did last year, then I'll happily put him in the top five next year. But for me, he's got to do it more than once for me to uh, put him that high. It's also funny because he's viewed as a running quarterback, and I would say this about Flacco too. There's a certain point in the league where you look at Eli's numbers and Peyton's numbers and Brady's numbers, the real pocket passers who do not move at all. And they have almost zero attempts, uh, rushing attempts the entire season. At a certain point in a quarterback's career, they have to look at themselves and say, I'm never going to run. I'm, I'm happy to throw the ball out of bounds as long as it's not going to get me grounding. Stop running. And uh, I, Flacco's numbers are abominable, but he runs the ball uh, way too much and, and should run the ball three times all next season maximum. Same thing with Ross, Roethlisberger. And I know that part of that is just scrambling and sometimes maybe he'll just run past the line. But... When you're running 33 times for 27 yards, stop running the ball, Ben. All right, so next on our list we have Drew Brees at number six. And this is where we're definitely in the no-question first ballot Hall of Famer category. Brees, he's getting older. He's turned the, turning the ball over more now than he used to, which is something that's affected other guys as they got older, such as you know Brett Favre, for example. But he was still pro football focused. I keep mentioning that those second-half rankings last year. He was second in the league behind Rodgers in the second half of the year. And the gap between them was enormous, you know, uh, between them and everybody else. So he, he still was getting it done. He's transitioning to a new set of receivers, Brandon Cooks, who was injured the second half of the year, but in the first half of the year basically replaced Marcus Colson as their new number one wideout. Now Jimmy Graham is gone, of course. But some people think that he's on the wrong side of 35, is in a new part of his career. Bill Barnwell ranks him as the 10th quarterback in the league. Yeah, again, there's zero upside for Drew Brees, right? At best, he, you know, his slight cratering that he did last year levels out or, or you know, just continues that he loses, you know, five, he's 90% of what he was last year, 95%. So that makes sense. There's no upside for him where obviously like Russell Wilson has upside. Well, yeah, but if he, but he can, but he, right, he's still but the Drew second Brees at 90% is still great. So yeah. again, there's nothing exciting about him, uh, at all, but, you know, I show everyone's sort of anticipating this fall, but Breeze is younger than some guys who are still playing at an incredibly high level. So give him, you know, a full season of Brandon Cooks. And maybe this isn't the year. That, that The running game might be very good, but the receivers really don't scare anybody. So it is possible, especially a team that, fo you know, focused almost entirely on defense in the draft. Like, they probably need to 
have a second weapon to really be a contender again, you know, past, you know, winning the NFC South at eight and eight or nine and seven. But, uh, you know, Breeze is, Breeze is Breeze. Yep. All right. Next on the list in the number five spot is Andrew Luck. And, and we had a disagreement here as well. And I'm basically lower on Andrew Luck than anybody else's teams. First of all, let me acknowledge, like Ben Roethlisberger, he had a career year last year. I'm not disputing that. But before last year, I just want to point out, he had never had more than 23 touchdowns. He threw. Yeah, he was. He was twenty. He was twenty-three years old. That's all right. No, that's true. Okay, but but let me fine. So let me put it this way: You said Russell Wilson can't leapfrog over those other guys because he has to prove it more. He's played the same number of years as Andrew Luck. He's won more games in the regular season. He's won more games in the postseason. He's had a higher completion percentage, higher yards per attempt, lower interceptions, much better runner. Why is Andrew Luck three and Russell Wilson is all the way down to twelve on your list? Well, in terms of passing the ball, I mean, Luck has had you know three more seasons than Russell Wilson already. Because he's leading the league in attempts every year, whereas Wilson is, you know, no, they, do it in a, they do it in a different way. But you know, quarterback, there's many ways to be a good, successful quarterback. I mean, yeah, they have weapons, but a little bit like Peyton Manning, I want to, you know, sometimes he turns guys into stars. Uh, Peyton Manning did, who really, you know, you know that Eric Decker is not a superstar. He's just in the Manning system, right? So, and guys, and plenty of guys like that in in, in Colts lore, and who knows even, you know, because these guys never got out of that system. Even Reggie Wayne. Uh, not not that I'm knocking Reggie Wayne, but he never had anybody other than Payton or Luck. And you don't buy T.Y. Hilton then? As an elite uh, no, T.Y. Hilton's really good. Actually, when you watch him, he is very impressive. But it's not like these guys were, you know, top five picks. And, and you know, Luck is maybe turning them into people. Okay, the the running game was – he was able to do this with a running game that was comical. Yeah. Right? I mean, they were finding guys on the street and, and giving them, you know, 15 carries a game. And their offensive line isn't good. So, uh, yeah, Luck, th- that's the reason why he has to throw the ball up a couple times, and he- his 16 picks were a few more than you'd like. But if they ever put uh, – the Colts question, the Luck question is a little bit – we'll get into more when we get up to the Colts preview, but it's a little bit more of a is Ryan Grigson uh, an idiot question that I, I think a lot of people want to know. And obviously the-, the main part of that is just, you know, how could you trade Trent Richardson, you know, a first-round pick for Trent Richardson when – Every single person on earth knew that was a bad move. Literally the second yeah. it happened. Well, Bill, uh, but I just think that yeah, they have a knack for finding these diamonds in the rough type guys. But they also do some insane things. You know, uh, you know, keep keep building strengths, but ignore you know huge weaknesses. So I'm not so sure. Yeah, I really don't like the talent on the team outside of a few guys. So I, I, I think he's doing a lot with a little right now. Yeah. If the question is. Which player in the NFL would you want to build a franchise from scratch around for the next decade? The answer is Andrew Luck. No question. I'm not disputing that. But if the question is, right now, is he the third best quarterback in the NFL? I just don't think we could say yes. His QBR last year was 14th. That's average. That, and that's below, that's, I mean, that's well below guys like Joe Flacco and Phillip Rivers, but that's even, that's, that was below Eli Manning. That was below Carson Palmer in, in a short form. That was below Nick Foles even last year before he got injured. So, PFF, Pro Football Focus, in their rankings, they had him also uh, much lower. They had him at 14th as well. So I just think that the numbers don't justify the hype, and I think the hype is just based on where we see him going. But is he there already? I'm not sure. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it, you know, and the, the, in the playoffs, we saw, like, really the high and the low of luck where he was incredible being the Bengals. He was pretty good uh, beating a really good Broncos team, and obviously, uh, you know, Beyond atrocious in the embarrassing 45-7 loss to the Patriots, but it was again that goes to my point where the Patriots are better at almost every you know man for man outside the quarterback position in almost every position against a team like the Colts. So I, I mean the team looks a little bit better this year in terms of like the two to fifty three personnel that I like to say outside the starting quarterback. 
But you said it. You said, you know, you're making my argument for me. If you're starting a team right now, you're picking Andrew Luck. So why, you know, why is it crazy to have him as the number three quarterback? Yeah. All right. It's it's also interesting when you look at our top seven or eight guys outside of Luck, everybody's on the wrong side of 30. And it's interesting because we're talking a lot about how there's so many good young quarterbacks in the league, but the elite, elite quarterbacks, it still seems to be with I guess the exception of Luck and maybe Russell Wilson, it's still the old guys. So let's get on to one of those old guys, and he's actually a lot older than people realize. That's Tony Romo. Tony Romo last year was the best quarterback in the NFL statistically. He led the league in QBR. Uh, He was second for whatever it's worth, which is very little, in Chester QBR. Romo was really, really good, and I think that he didn't get a lot of attention because DeMarco Murray was so good and their offensive line was so good, but Romo had a career year, and Romo's been one of the best, you know, he's won more games than just about any other quarterback, including down the stretch, and yet he has this unfair reputation. Basically, it all starts because he, he flubbed an extra point hold when he was, uh, you know, in, in his first season as a starter. Yeah, I, I mean, and I think Romo did get a ton of attention last year. I mean, DeMarco Murray, you know, was rightfully, you know, praised, but... I mean, Mar- Romo had games last year that were completely out of the world. You know, eight incompletions versus four touchdowns, uh, you know, against the Giants. 18 for 20 with four touchdowns against the, against the, a team that was in the AFC Championship game against Indy late in the season. Destroying Chip Kelly's Eagles team. And then, you know, you get to the playoffs, and even though they lost that crazy Packers game, four touchdowns, no picks, you know, really good completion percentage, you know, excellent numbers. A little bit like Roethlisberger in you have a veteran quarterback absolutely peaking. Uh, almost impossible for Romo to uh, repeat this. So we probably have him a little too high in rewarding him for the 2014 season. I I, I do think that there's probably going to be a big fall from grace for Dallas and for Romo this year. I mentioned the fact that Tony Romo has been a winner, that he's, not, that he's more clutch than just about anyone else, which is completely counter to the narrative of him. Since he got the job halfway through the year in 2006, since 2006, you know who leads the NFL in fourth quarter comebacks? Blake Bortles. Tony Romo with 23. Ahead of yeah. Pey- Peyton. Unless I can guess. Yeah. <laughs> Peyton is 21. Eli's actually third with 20. Uh, a little bit surprising over there. But um, so, you know, he's had more fourth quarter comebacks than any quarterback in the league since he got the job. And that's notwithstanding the fact that he's missed a whole bunch of games uh, due to injury. Uh, also, game winning drives. Number one in the NFL since 2006. Tony Romo with 27. Yet again, he's one spot ahead of Peyton Manning. So this is a guy who does it in the clutch. I just think that Tony Romo, again, when it comes to like talking about the Hall of Fame, Tony Romo deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He's had a better career, significantly, than Eli Manning or, or Ben Roethlisberger. He hasn't won two Super Bowls, but he's been a much better quarterback than Eli or Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, that's going to be a heated debate. Yeah, I, I know it is, but the, you know, I'm definitely in Tony Romo's camp, and, uh, and I think that the numbers back me up. Uh, we'll see what he does this year. Um, he's actually tied for third, though, and the man that he's tied for third with is a man who's never been as low as third probably in the last 15 years, and that's Peyton Manning. I actually had Peyton second still. You had him all the way down to six. So tell me why you had him down at six. The thing about Peyton is this is sort of I'm, – I'm short-selling Peyton because it's weird to predict an injury, but you almost feel like with the offensive line crumbling around him, you know, a 39-year-old with, a, you know, with no back basically – who got worse as the season went on, substantially worse, right, as the as the season ended. It, like, you could make a case that, based on upside, Peyton would be a lot lower than third or fourth on this list. Like, there, there's almost nothing good that can happen with Peyton this season. I, I do fear, and I like Peyton, and I'm not rooting against him, and it's certainly the NFL is fun when he's really good and the Broncos are good. I fear like the end of the road has come, uh, even if they start off hot this year, and I don't even think they will. 
Uh, and they, the defense can put them, in, you know, can keep them in games even if Peyton is just mediocre. Uh, I'm just nervous. Uh, you know, the guy, what, what Romo's and Roethlisberger's and, and even like what a Russell Wilson could do last year, I just don't know if Peyton has one more season like that in him, which is fine. Like, you know, Peyton has given us enough. I, I don't know why, I don't know why there's a reason to be optimistic. Like, well, you, yeah, so first when of all, you, if you go right now and rewatch the last six or seven games he played last year, you know, you're just, ha- you know, you're just, you know, surprised he didn't retire. So first of all, just just to put this on the record, Peyton Manning's the greatest football player in history, greatest quarterback, greatest football player in history. So that's the standard by which I'm judging him. Again, the fact that he hasn't won four or five Super Bowls, I think that to judge an individual player on that is a little bit foolhardy. But the narrative of Peyton Manning is that he's throwing ducks now and that he collapsed down the stretch last year. So let's keep in mind, you said when we were speaking about Drew Brees that he has nowhere to go but down. And there's no upside with him. And I think that's actually more true for Peyton. In 2013, Peyton had the greatest season in the history of football. It was unbelievable. He had... Mm -hmm. 5,500 yards, 55 touchdowns. He set every record known to man, and nobody talked about it. In fact, Adrian Peterson won the MVP over him. It was just nobody talked about how good he was. And that's the thing. No matter how good Peyton is, we take for granted that he's going to be so excellent. So all we do is harp on the slight negativities here or there. The second half of the last year, he struggled. That's absolutely true. But Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers also struggled the second half of the year. Now, Brady obviously turns it around in the playoffs and won another Super Bowl. And and, and, and for that reason, people who I think are, are, are foolish in their analysis think that he's a better quarterback than Peyton Manning in terms of the, the, uh, the, the bulk of their career. But I'd still rather have Peyton. If, if I'm down, if my team is down by six with two minutes to go and – a quarterback is trotting out of the field to win the game, I would still rather have Peyton than any quarterback in the league, including the guy who I have above him, who I think we both agree is the best quarterback in the league. I just think that Peyton, I, I, can't, I, don't have an, I, I can't put into words how much respect I have for him. And even though he struggled down the stretch last year, on the year, he was still third in the league in QBR. He was third in the league in the Chester QBR. His numbers were still there on the year. Maybe he did it a different way. Maybe he doesn't have the arm strength, but he still managed to get it done. The team still won a dozen games, and he still was top three in just about every statistic. Yeah, he's Peyton Manning. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to put a whole hot take alert over there because I get worked up about Peyton Manning. <laughs> I just, you know, I think I think we're lucky to have seen Peyton Manning, and it frustrates me, the narrative of him, that because he only won one Super Bowl, people discount him. All fair, but uh, I read Tom Brady's emails, and he, Tom Brady says Tom Brady's better than Peyton Manning. <laughs> That's true. That's another hot take. And um, next on our list, number two, another aging quarterback, but he uh, certainly got it done when it counted last year, and that is the aforementioned Tom Brady. I'm talking about the Jet game where he beat them by one. Yeah, that that that's the game that everybody's talking about. I mean, I hate Tom Brady. So you talk about him. <laughs> so it's not that I hate Tom Brady. It's just I think that he and Bill Barnwell's written about this as well. He's had a very interesting career. For the first few years of his career, he was not a particularly good quarterback. He was average. He was not even as good as Eli Manning. But his team won three Super Bowls, mostly because of the defense, because of the incredible coach. All of a sudden, about 2004, 2005, he started to become better and better. And That's suspicious, by the way. <laughs> Are you saying steroids? Has anyone, check, Are you saying has anyone checked inflation? into this? Anybody checked into this? Well, the way that Barnwell, Bill Barnwell has put it is that basically had the reverse career that many others have. If you look at, uh, let's say, John Elway, for example. John Elway was great for many years but could never get it done in the playoffs. At the end of his career, when he wasn't so good anymore, he won two Super Bowls. Because Tom Brady got those three Super Bowls out of the way so early, much like Roethlisberger, for example, he already had this aura, this patina of greatness that he hadn't really earned. Now, to be clear, he absolutely earned it 
from from the middle of the last decade going on now for a dozen years, he's been neck and neck with Peyton Manning, the greatest quarterback of the era, and one of the greatest three or four quarterbacks of all time. I'm Was that a pun, neck and neck, because one of them has like a healthy neck and one of them can't move their neck? All right, that's valid. But um, I said Peyton Manning's back before, so apology. Yeah, Peyton Manning's falling apart all, all, all around. I'll, I'll say this. In my all-time quarterback rankings where I mentioned I have Peyton Manning number one, you know who I have number two? Tom Brady. So you I can't say Joe Theismann. <laughs> no blood portals. So look, I, I, you can't say that I hate Tom Brady. I think he's the second greatest quarterback of all time. And the fact that he, he really looked in 2013 like he was done, and he's turned it around. He's back on top. He's going to be back with a vengeance this year. He's going to miss the first four games. It'll be interesting to see what happens starting in week five. But, um... You know, oh, hopefully it'll be 0 4. It'll be very interesting. Well, and in my Peyton versus uh, Brady arguments, one of the big points that I always pointed to is the fact that the year that Brady missed, the team went 11 and 5. The year that that uh, that Peyton Manning missed, the Colts almost didn't win a game. So, yeah. you know, it's it's always it's always isn't hard. that your argument that Matt Castle's like the fifth greatest quarterback of all time? <laughs> yeah, look, it's it's always hard to separate coaching and quarterback and receivers and and who knows where the credit begins and ends. But um, look, we have we have Tom Brady at number two, and, and even I have him at four. So people say that I'm a Tom Brady hater. I don't think I am. That leaves only one, the King, undisputed, the best quarterback in the world, Aaron Rodgers. Is he elite? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what PFT commentator thinks about it, but but I think he probably is. You have him number one. I have him number one. ESPN has him number one. Bill Barnwell has him number one. Sports Illustrated has him number two, actually. <laughs> Who does Sports Illustrated have number one? They have him behind Tom Brady. I mean, but SI at this point is always like five years behind the times, no? Yeah, uh, one of our one of our earlier guests, I think it was the Falcons, I forget, but he said that he still thinks Tom Brady's the best quarterback in the league as well. I just I don't see how you don't think that Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback. Look, Rodgers is a little bit more injury prone than some of these all timers, when it, like guys like Peyton and Brady, who other than the one complete season that they missed, they never really missed any games. And, and Rodgers misses games all the time, but when he's on the field, there's nothing he can't do. It was it was complete coaching malpractice that prevented his team from going to the Super Bowl last year. And I mean that that's the thing, and we'll obviously get much more into this when we talk about the Packers. But everyone outside of Green Bay knows that Mike McCarthy is a complete idiot, and if they had a slightly better coach, they'd probably have won a second Super Bowl by now. Yeah, I, look, I'm a Vikings fan. I hate the Packers. Um, there was nobody I hated more in the '90s than Brett Favre, and then ironically, I, I grew to love him for a variety of reasons, even before he came to the Vikings. It's funny that the national narrative, especially in the world in which we live, you know, websites like Deadspin and Kissing Susie Colbert, they love to hate it. They they always love to hate on Brett Favre, and then they love to hate on Peyton Manning. And for some reason, I've always loved those guys. Aaron Rodgers has never really suffered from that. Everybody loves him. He's got the mustache. He's got the commercials. He's got, you know, now he's in the background of his girlfriend's funny videos, practicing with a sword and all this stuff and doing Tai Chi. I can't stand Aaron Rodgers. But in spite of that, I actually still really I'm, – I'm just so overcome with jealousy because we we talked a little bit about the Colts and um, the Packers also. A franchise doesn't realize how lucky they are to fall ass backwards into 15 or 20 years of an all-time quarterback followed immediately by another 15 years of an I all-time quarterback. I just want one year of an elite quarterback. I just want one year. It's just they're, – they're so incredibly lucky. I mean the, the, the Colts had it basically – it'll be by the time – Luck retires maybe 30 years straight of, of, of first tier, you know, Hall of Fame quarterbacks. The Packers have had it going back to 1992 when Favre showed up. The only, the only prior example I can really think of is, is the 49ers, where they actually had Steve Young chomping on the bit for years until Montana finally went down. But because they missed a bunch of years of Young because they still had Montana, 
their run was only from about 1980 to 96, 97. It was a little bit shorter than than what the Packers enjoyed under Favre and Rodgers and, and what the Colts are enjoying now. But you're right. When you're a fan of any other team, you look at Green Bay and you're just jealous. I'm jealous of, like, Tampa Bay. <laughs> I just want one year of an elite QB. I mean, some ridiculous Rodgers stats. Like, he only threw interceptions in three games last year. Uh, Tom Brady threw interceptions in three playoff games last year. The, again, the, the only knock you can really have on Rodgers, the, the only slight imperfection, is the fact that he gets injured a lot. Yeah, like Matt Flynn has to play one game every two seasons. Yeah, and then he uh, converts that into a nice, solid uh, contract and when he goes somewhere else. Do you remember back when uh, Dan Marino, like Scott Mitchell, missed some games that year and he got a big contract? And Yeah, Scott Mitchell. Well, Mitchell was a little bit underrated. Mitchell wasn't a bad quarterback. Again, there was like seven decent quarterbacks then, so Mitchell was like – Gus Farratt was like top ten. By the this, way, this podcast would have been much different in, in like 1997. Yeah, you, you, you keep bringing this up, but you're right. We really aren't a golden age of quarterbacks. Yeah, if we ever did a running back countdown, like it's the opposite. It's, it's like, it's uh, totally the opposite, yeah. It's like, it, literally, there's only one running back in the league, Adrian Peterson. And I don't even know, I guess he'll make the Hall of Fame. I think people forget about all that stuff now. But I, I don't think there's a second running back who even has a prayer of making the Hall of Fame, right? Uh, Am I missing somebody? Well, let me I mean, Jamal Charles is good, but he's not, I don't think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. If I open up my all-time running backs chart, the only active player, then I have Adrian Peterson going into this year at 15th all-time. All right, so that's Hall of Fame, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I would say it's a, it's Hall of Fame. I mean, where's MJD, who's I guess no longer active? So Maurice that. Jones Drew, uh, what is uh, was 30th, but yeah, but so he's, he's borderline. You know, he might make that last 15, but I don't uh, think he'll get in. He has no chance of making the Hall of Fame. You look at the guys, okay. You look at the guys ahead of him: Jamal Lewis, Fred Taylor, Corey Dillon, Sean Alexander, Clinton Portis, Jerome. Jerome Bettis just made the Hall of Fame. Yeah, almost none of those guys are going to make it in. Yeah. Ahead of him, though, Steven Jackson, but his career is now over, and he's finishing again just just out of the Hall of Fame group because he's 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 in the category with Sean Alexander and Clinton Portis, so I don't think he makes the Hall of but Fame. But his career was a little longer. Yeah, but he doesn't – look, Jerome Bettis makes it Who knew this would become a running back podcast? Yeah. Jerome Bettis makes the Hall of Fame because of the iconic moments he had. In Do you the- think Bettis was a Hall of Famer? No, right? Well, look, I have him 21st all time. Um, it could go. Either, He's not egregiously in the Hall of Fame. It could go either way. The the ahead of him, pretty much everyone's a Hall of Famer, with a few exceptions. Right below him, as you know, there's only one guy in the ten guys below him who's in the Hall of Fame. Where do you have my boy Curtis Martin? Curtis Martin, I have ninth all time. Okay. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, no question. So the only other guy who's maybe in consideration is Frank Gore. Frank Gore, he's also in the 20s right now. What he would have to do is he would have to win a Super Bowl in the next year or two with Indianapolis and yeah. have a key have a key role, not just you know be there along for the ride, but he'd have to have a great game in the Super Bowl. I think that would give him sort of what Jerome Bettis had, um, sort of the, the 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 feather on. Top. I love the Colts signing a 2,000 year old running back. Yeah, but he's so old, but he's he's been so good the last few years in San Francisco. No matter mm-hmm. how, you know, so who knows? But I think you're right. There's only one court, there's only one running back in the league right now who's a Hall of Famer, and at quarterback, there's you know maybe as many as a dozen. And um, it's also not a golden age for receivers until last year. Like it's you know if you look at the veteran guys, yes, there's Fitzgerald, yes, there's Andre Johnson and Calvin Johnson, but there aren't a ton of guys like there were at the turn of the century when like every team had this big talking you know Osho Cinco type guy. Yeah, well, and now you've challenged me to, to whip open my all-time wide receivers rankings. Let's talk, let's just go straight to punters. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, what's your wide receivers? Who's in the Hall of Fame from your wide receiver ranking? Of active guys, I have Fitzgerald at number 17, which means he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he'll be in the Hall of Fame, no question. Reggie Wayne, who's number 20, he'll be in the no, Hall of Fame. No, listen, if Marvin Harrison could get in, Reggie Wayne could get in. You know, he's the one, he's got one thing less than Marvin Harrison. Well, no, Marvin Harrison is, is a class of, Mar- Marvin Harrison's number seven all-time. 
Now, mm-hmm. Reggie Wayne didn't murder anyone in Philadelphia. No. But... Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. All right, we'll leave it at that. What, what, uh, are we saying that he allegedly didn't murder someone, or the? Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, somebody died, and he may have had a role. Yes, so those guys are both going to be in the Hall of Fame. I have Andre Johnson at number 32. His career is winding down, but everybody above him just about's in the Hall of Fame, so I think that he'll probably end up there. Yeah, Andre Johnson probably gets in. Yeah, and he also... If he plays in a bigger market... Well, Andre Johnson, much like Frank Gore, wins the Super Bowl this year in Indianapolis. I think he's definitely in the Hall of Fame. And then you have Calvin Johnson, who's going to be in the Hall of Fame. The, the next two guys among active players are both interesting cases. One is Steve Smith... His career is pretty much over. I don't think he's going to make it. He'll be close, but yeah, people like the media is very interested in him, especially like he's the type of guy he might have like a big role on TV. That always helps. I think he's got a real chance. People were really debating that in the last couple of days once he announced he was retiring. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm looking above him on this list. The only players who are not in the Hall of Fame who are eligible: Art Powell, uh, the old uh, New York Titan uh, mm-hmm. before they were the Jets, and um, I don't know why he's not in the Hall of Fame. He certainly should be. Uh, Tory Holt, who will be in the Hall of Fame, and Isaac Bruce, who will be in the Hall of Fame. Sure. And then, um, and then the only other two guys I have ahead of him who aren't are Gary Clark, who was on Washington, and then the Cardinals in the 80s and 90s. He basically got forgotten about. And then Sterling Sharp, and Sterling Sharp, sort of like Terrell Davis, his career was just too short, I think, for people to uh, give him credit. But he was really, really good, and this was before the Packers had far. Yeah, but so. right, his career ended a little too early. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those are the only guys I have ahead of him who aren't in the Hall of Fame. So Steve Smith could make it. And then Anquan Bolden, who he's ne- he's never been – look, he's never made an all-pro team. He's only made three Pro Bowl teams. But he just keeps pumping out, you know, 900-yard or 1,000-yard seasons year after year. He's still going into his 30s. So I don't think he's going to make the Hall of Fame. But, but if he keeps going for another three or four years at his age, his numbers will start to make a case. But probably not. But, yeah, we, we, cer- we certainly got dis- distracted from quarterbacks. So I'll bring it back there just for one second to say that uh, Aaron Rodgers has the reputation that I mentioned repeatedly of being injury-prone. But actually, other than in 2013 when he missed half the year, he's played 15 or 16 games every single season. So if you miss one game, that's not great. But you can't really call a guy injury-prone if he plays 15 or 16 games every year. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think uh, we've gone on long enough here. Yeah, so there you have it. Halftime's almost over. Thanks for joining us for the quarterback rankings. Tomorrow, the second half begins, and it will begin with a double header in the state of Missouri, as we'll start on the eastern edge of that state with the St. Louis Rams, and then we'll go all the way west to Kansas City to discuss the Kansas City Chiefs. So 16th-ranked Rams and 15th-ranked Chiefs coming up tomorrow. Thanks for joining us for Halftime. This is 32 Fans in 32 Days. Have a good night. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.